You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Derek Piper recapping an Illini 86-83 loss to number 22 Ohio State. And the Buckeyes and E.J. Liddell continue to be a matchup issue, but now we can throw Malachi Branham uh, into that as well. But Brad Underwood lost his top, and then Illinois almost blew the top off this place with a big comeback, uh, but it falls short in a late rally. Uh, Derek we can talk. I know Illinois fans want me to ream the refs right now, and the refs were a problem. That's why Brad Underwood uh, got thrown out, but I think Ohio State had the case. Uh, Big Ten refereeing has not been good this year, but I think the bigger problem, so I'm going to throw that out there, okay? The bigger problem, though, is a 28-5 run in the middle of that game, and we've seen this throughout the year with Illinois. This game seemed to be going the Cincinnati way, um, where Illinois takes this big lead, 21-8 to start the game, and then just completely implodes on itself uh, to lose a game that I think they should have won. Um, they made a great comeback, though. After Underwood gets thrown out, uh, Illinois really made a great rally. Coleman Hawkins was a big part of that. Alfonso Plummer was fantastic tonight with uh, a record eight made threes, ties the record for Illinois. But to me, it's that 28-5 run. That's the stuff they got to stop. That's the stuff that Big Ten championship teams uh, don't let happen. And, and after this loss, Derek, a Big Ten championship is going to be very difficult because now you need help. You do need that help from Purdue and you know, Wisconsin, both – need to take a loss obviously one of them will when they meet next week in Madison but you're going to be rooting hard for Rutgers to maybe pull it off against Wisconsin not completely out of the question yet but you are going to have to be you know rooting for something that's not in control of your own hands anymore so the fact that it slipped away on your home floor in a game where you had a 13 point lead in the first half uh, and you kind of wasted a Alfonso Plummer heater like an epic heater where uh, you had the stat where he sets the program record for most threes in a, in a game with eight. So uh, there's a lot of different ways to break down what was a wild game and a game that just kind of refused to die for a while, really, because Illinois, I know they had a quite a furious rally there. But yeah, I mean, it's a team that just has too many of these dramatic swings where you look back on this court, Super Bowl Sunday, it's 19-2 for Northwestern and Purdue at, you know, at Mackey, it's 16 to two. There's a big run in the Rutgers game, and now uh, I know it was 20 to two, 22 to two, or as you said, 28 to five. That's just you're not playing good enough defense. You're not getting stops. You're not pivoting when things aren't working offensively. So uh, that's one of the big takeaways for me. And also, Ohio State has some of your kryptonite, and we know that that's been the case with EJ Liddell and that matchup of the four spot. But a big guard, a big NBA guard like Branham, where Trent Fraser is a little too small to slow him down, and uh, you. you piece that together, the fact that they could play Kyle Young at the five and pull Kofi away from the paint. They're a problematic matchup, and they certainly showed that tonight. And uh, just disappointing, the fact that it was on your home floor and just a stretch of a game where you just didn't get enough stops or uh, didn't have the right answers quick enough offensively uh, that could be ultimately the difference of putting a banner up or not. Yeah, say if you're the four seed, uh, Ohio State's the kind of five seed you do not want to see. Like When we talk about matchups, you mentioned it, the big guard, man, Malachi Branham, in six weeks' time has gone from, wait, oh, they have this freshman who shows some flashes to all of a sudden he's a first-round draft pick. He's playing the last month there like a first-team All-Big Ten guard, definitely the Big Ten freshman of the year, and he's done most of it in the last six weeks. 
He's a difficult matchup, and he was a baller tonight. E.J. Liddell, questionable. I don't know if that was Ohio State just messing with Illinois coming into this one, but his first game in front of the State Farm Center crowd, and he seemed to enjoy it. He, he shut them up many times, including that great fadeaway. I mean, his second half, he was fantastic. And I thought Illinois you know, defended him pretty well. He just made really tough shots, and that's why – he could be a late lottery pick, or at least mid-first-round draft pick. Ohio State has two of the best players uh, in the Big Ten with those two guys, and they just so happen to be the two things Illinois struggles to stop, a big lead guard and a power forward like that. So you got to give Ohio State some credit. Kyle Young off the bench was fantastic, and he took advantage of Kofi Coburn. And, and you were talking, Derek, about some of those long runs that, that Illinois has allowed this year. Usually the guy this year, unlike Iowa last year, who can be your stopper of those runs, like at Michigan State, is Kofi Coburn, but Kofi Coburn was awful tonight. Five for 15, would end up with three rebounds. That, that's his season low. I didn't look back enough to see how long it's been since Kofi Coburn had three or fewer rebounds in a game, and Kyle Young roasted him, J just roasted him. Kyle Young was better than Kofi Coburn tonight. Illinois can't have that. I mean, they, the fact that they came back and almost won the game without Kofi after he fouled out says a lot, but – you know, Kofi's had some good games. Uh, Wisconsin and Michigan State, two of the best games he's ever played. Those are big performances and big games. But when they lose, it usually coincides with a Kofi, you know, game where he's not playing very well. Yeah, it's a big disappointment when you think about this being such a marquee matchup and a big key to trying to get that Big Ten title trophy. And I think that the fact of him having some of these warts like this game, matchups against Purdue, especially the one here, you know, on this court, I think he was pretty decent at Mackey in the Arizona game. But really, this was the kind of the outlier because it's not like, well, it's not the same storyline of, well, Ohio State has a bunch of length that bothers him. I think one thing that Ohio State did really well was they packed it in and they didn't have EJ on him on those matchups. They had EJ kind of just lurking around, which I think says something about Illinois' floor spacing or just overall balance with the shooting. They've only had usually like one or one, maybe two guys going. The fact that you're not making each defender be honest enough of having to go out and, and contest all four spots on the floor says something about Illinois offensively here recently. And the fact that EJ could kind of just lurk around and wait for Kofi to go up. But also it was Kofi missing bunnies. It was Kofi not playing that well through some contact. I know there's a lot of calls of that or calls from fans that wanted more calls, but uh, I, I just think I agree with you. He did not play very well. Kyle Young thirdly outplayed him. He put him on the move with, off the bounce, which put some fouls on Kofi. He gave up some threes. And really, EJ had a slow start to this game. He had a very good game overall, but it was Kyle Young stepping up and making shots in the first half that kept Ohio State afloat. And then Malachi Branham, th those guys for most of that first half were uh, keeping Ohio State around until EJ finally got it going. But yeah, he uh, he was hearing it from the crowd, but EJ definitely got the last, last word with the... You know, 21-6-4, and, and we can talk about the final play on – I thought it was a good contest on Trent Frazier. No, it's not a popular opinion, but um, he did some really good things, hit some free throws, and, and had that contest. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a bang-bang call. Uh, I know so many people are focused on that. Again, I, th I think getting a stop, making a free throw on the front end of a one-on-one -on -one for Coleman Hawkins, like things like that bother me more. Like some calls are going to go away or some, some don't. I get the referees have not been strong in the Big Ten. But at the same time, like that one, I think if Trent puts on the rim, I think he might get the call. And even Trent said that, Brad Underwood said that. Uh, I think the ball's got to go up there and then kind of force the call. And if not, EJ's flying through the air. Maybe Coleman can be a guy that can get, get its hit back. And we'll talk about Coleman Hawkins as a bright spot here in a second. I got to bring up Trent Frazier. He ends the game, Derek, 12 points, four assists, two turnovers. Really helped late in that game. Uh, had that great three to, to, to go within one. 
I need him more aggressive. You know, part of the story of this game for me is your two best players. And I know Alfonso Plummer is one of your best scorers, one of your two best scorers. But Trent Frazier, we've seen Michigan State take over late in the game. We've seen Indiana take over. I want him to be that guy more often. And if he goes two for ten, I'm fine with that. But he only got up eight shots tonight. Um, that bothers me a little bit. When Illinois, that run was happening, they need somebody to stop that. Iowa was that guy last year. Not, Trent's not the same player, but I still feel like there's moments in these last eight games, five of them he scored in single digits. You want him to go hunt a little bit more. Rutgers, he had like what, 13 points in that one or something like that, but it wasn't until late that he really started doing it. So I'd like him to be a little bit more aggressive. Maybe Brad Underwood has got to call his number a little bit earlier. It was hard to do that with Alfonso Plummer doing what he was doing, but I still feel like Brad Underwood said it afterwards. We need him to act like he's going to go get 30 every night. He's not going to do that, but, man, he is – him and Plummer – Doing that around Kofi, being aggressive, this team gets really, really hard to guard, and we're just not seeing that kind of, uh, kind of push out of Trent to be selfish at times. Yeah, it's a killer instinct that you want to see more of, and especially when your team is starting to wane and they're on the ropes. And I think that's something that I've just kind of wondered of what is the counterpunch? And you said it, you know, that if you can throw it into Kofi and he can get fouled or he can score a bucket to kind of stem the tie when you're having some things go wrong and all of a sudden you're on the wrong end of some big runs. But I think Trent Frazier, knowing the, the veteran guard that he is, the guy that is still wired as a bucket getter, needs to be able to go get you one. And I think that, uh, yeah, I think some of it is on Illinois trying to put him in some some actions and trying to get him some looks because they did that for Plummer and it, it obviously worked in the first half. Uh, and I wondered about when they ultimately were going to go to the pick and roll a little bit more because throwing it into Kofi and having two guys just waiting for him didn't really work out all that well. Uh, but, yeah, it is also on Trent to, to be able to go get you one. And uh, I, I think that you do need to give a little bit of a credit to Jamari Wheeler, who's one of the better perimeter defenders in the, in the Big Ten, uh, of probably making him tough or just not giving him anything easy. But at the same time, you want that guy not to feel like you're watching him the first. And it was kind of the same thing at Michigan State. Just kind of Trent Frazier's just going along and not, not really impacting, putting his stamp on the game. And you kind of want that. You know, from the get-go or, or especially in those key moments from a guard that means so much to you. Derek, and I want to ask you this. Um, you break down the X's O's better than me. So, like, Ohio State was basically playing a three-man game, right? Um, and, and they were they knew Kofi was going to be in drop coverage, and they attacked that with, with Malachi Branham, with all those screens on Trent Frazier, uh, Kyle Young, and then E.J. Liddell playing off of that. So is that just an Ohio State matchup issue, or is, is that something you're seeing? Because we, we are seeing teams, Michigan State, attacking that drop coverage, still have to hit long twos, right? Ohio State had to hit a lot of long twos, and I think Illinois decidedly will live with that uh, rather than layups and, and three-pointers, but Branham was good enough to get the layups today. Right, and I think that when it is a bigger guard that can elevate over Trent, that makes those shots, those pull-ups, those runners a little bit easier versus when it's a like-sized guard who who doesn't have the ability to kind of have create that advantage. And then like all Walker the, was just hitting shots, tough right. shots, right? Yeah, he was he was just <laughs> kind of on an unreal burner, and, and a lot of them were tough. But um, I think that I mean, you look at Arizona and they're putting Matherin downhill, and that's that's a bad matchup. I mean, we're talking about look, we're talking about NBA type yeah. of talents, but uh, those are the type of teams and guys you're going to have to go through to go on a deep run in March. But all of a sudden, once that five man is hitting pick and pop threes, all of a sudden that gives Kofi some urgency to come out and come out, and that's where Brandon was getting some 
really uncontested layups at sometimes of just creating that angle and, and having the bigger body to go up there and elevate. And then also uh, they could mid post ISO EJ. And it took a while for Illinois to really double that or even show that they wanted to do that. And when you do that and then maybe, you know, a, a Cedric Russell hits a three or Arns hits a three. I mean, th those are, those are shots. Then you're like, okay, that's, this is a tough matchup, but that's, what's difficult about, you know, Illinois' roster construction of not being able to have a true four. Or, I mean, if Coleman ultimately is, and maybe you should have pushed that button a little bit faster, but we know that he has some fouling issues. And, um, yeah, but EJ did own the matchup and made made some tough shots to his credit over DeMonte, but talking about six foot seven against six foot two and a half probably. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, let's talk about some of the actual silver linings of this game. And, and Brad Underwood uh, was selling that uh, there were some silver linings of this one. One is definitely Alfonso Plummer getting back on track. Not that I was over-concerned about it, because what I'm talking about with Frazier has never been an issue uh, for Alfonso Plummer. He's going to come into a game shooting no matter what, even if he's going through a slump. So the last few games didn't make a three-pointer over the last two games, 0 for 7. But the two previous games, he was 9 for 19. He comes out, hits one within 13 seconds, had four before the midway point uh, of the first half, and then makes a, a single-game record, ties with four other players, one of them deep Brown, one of them Brandon Paul, a couple other guys on that list. Um, so that's pretty elite company for Alfonso Plummer, who's just put up ridiculous numbers, uh, ridiculous scoring numbers this year, better than I ever imagined. I think the three-point record is going to be in trouble with Alfonso this year, especially after uh, an eight-burger today. But getting him hot. Like, he can be a guy in an NCAA tournament, Derek, that can carry you uh, to the second, like to the Sweet 16 and maybe to the Final Four if he's red hot. He can win you around. Like, he can, he can get you – be the difference maker in a game that gets you on to that next next step in the, in the March – uh, you know, obviously to trying to get to the Final Four and everything. But, uh, yeah, his his heaters are just epic. And, and you know right away that when he's starting to feel it all of a sudden, then uh, he's he's going to get the – He's going to get the look of trying to, to be a little bit more aggressive. I thought Brad did a really good job of there was an out-of-bounds play that it ran him off two screens, and all of a sudden it's a shot fake, and, and he gets a guy to go past him and gets a three. So they did some good stuff with him, and it's it's important to get a, a hot hand the ball like that. So um, I, I never really worried about him because we, we've seen it all year uh, of how capable he is from three. But uh, I know that he can – 
shoot you into a game or into a big lead. He can take you out of one with his yeah. defense. I didn't necessarily notice his defense all too much tonight, mostly probably because it was three guys, as we were talking about. But, uh, yeah, his – He's fooling for some rebounds tonight. He, yeah. I don't know how many he ended up with, um, but – he had three rebounds in the first half, which is usually a great game for him. So I thought thought he was active on that end. Garden Jamari Wheeler is a little bit easier, right? Like Jamari's not going to be that much of a threat, but you know Jamari wasn't big today. Um, he didn't get much action today, much usage. But I thought Alfonso Plummer had one of his best games. Yeah, his shot making can certainly create the gravity, as you talk about. I did think he was active. I think there was just maybe one play where there was a corner three that he gave up, but outside of that, defensively didn't really notice anything and. You know he's he's holding up his own tonight in terms of making the shots, and then outside of him, you went four for fifteen from three. So uh, you think about once some of these other pieces, you got, you got to see Illinois shoot the three. All I know it's not all going to fall at the same time, but um, some of this offense to really click on the same night. And I think when he's going like that, he's a guy that's that's really tough to defend. Yeah, you just imagine that one night that Grandison, Plummer, and Frazier yeah. all make. 40% plus, um, this team can beat anybody yes. uh, as long as Kofi's having an okay game. I do want to shout out Trent Meacham was one of the other guys with eight three-pointers. He did that against Florida A&M. Kevin Turner did it against UCLA as well back in 1997. D Brown was against Purdue right before the Big Ten tournament. And Brandon Paul, of course, was against Ohio State. I believe that was a 43-point game back in 2012. By the way, just to update you, Alfonso Plummer has now made – 82 three-pointers, that is tied for eighth in a single season for Illinois. He is just 34 behind Luther Head, and Illinois has three regular season games and then the postseason. So he's got a lot to, to catch up to Luther Head, who played 39 games. I, I bet if we did that per game, uh, I think Alfonso Plummer probably has the record, but uh, for the season, he should end up uh, number two. Uh, you know, D. Brown had 99, so uh, Alfonso Plummer's on that kind of streak. Coleman Hawkins is playing good basketball. He played good basketball early in the season, Derek, and he's starting to do it now. Tonight, what a what a revelation he was late in the game. Kofi fouls out, and there was this one point, even before Kofi fouled out, Brad Underwood had Kofi stay in the game with four fouls, and he's like, oh, i got to get Omar in. And he said, wait, no, let's put Coleman in. So there's like two substitutions back-to-back, -back, and that worked really, really well. This team went small to combat what Ohio State was doing, made Illinois uh, able to switch, but also the five-out offense there. But over the last six minutes there, Coleman had seven points, two offensive rebounds, two big steals, and he ends up with ten points, uh, four rebounds, three steals on the night, two assists as well. Did foul out, so he had issues with that uh, and had one really cheapy, 35 feet from the basket. That did, just really hurt Illinois. Four for seven from the free throw line, so not a perfect night. But he's, he's starting to get back. He's confident. He's active. And he just gives them something they don't have. And you could tell Brad was really excited that they got a new wrinkle back on this team because now he feels like probably he can trust Coleman Hawkins again. Yeah, it definitely adds another dynamic. And when you think back to this offseason, one thing they thought a lot about was before Kofi's coming back, it's like Hawkins is probably going to get a decent amount of time with the five and is going to be that pick and pop, a different look. And, and I know that with Kofi here, obviously, with Omar, uh, Ben playing the five, it's not something they've really explored all that much. But uh, it was it was a good look. It's some something that I think if he can continue to even just show maybe, maybe the – 
ability to hit the three a little bit. I think that really spaces the floor and puts teams in a bind. And it's similar to what we saw out of Ohio State having Kyle Young at the five. But yeah, his he just made play after play down the stretch to get you back into having a chance. And I, he had a couple of big steals. Uh, he had that pump fake from the top of the key and drive and dunk. He had that offensive rebound right after that and put back. That's that's really encouraging for a guy. I say again, I talked about it after I think was it the Rutgers game or Michigan State game. He's he's strung together a nice little stretch here. He he could have he could have mailed it in. He could have said, you know, it's it's not working for me here. I'm not getting the minutes I want. It's just, I'm not I'm making mistakes. And uh, but he's been mentally engaged and he's been able to battle through adversity. And it, he's a piece like you said, whether it's playing the four, being an option at the five, it, it gives some, Illinois something different, and that's encouraging. Let's be honest, in this transfer-heavy era, he's a guy that you're worried about midway through the season. Like, is his head going to be in here? Is he going to bounce back? Coleman and Brad both talked about it after the game as Coleman was struggling there. Um, Brad sat him down and had a heart-to-heart and found out that Coleman wants to be good. Coleman said he was happy for his teammates that, and his team that they were winning, but obviously he was frustrated with his role. He mentioned specifically the Maryland game where Illinois struggled. He thought he could help, but he didn't play that much. Uh, and he just got in the gym and worked. Uh, and and that's, that's, that's a huge compliment to Brad Underwood. You can have that conversation. The kid doesn't just you know, quit, but also to Coleman uh, to be able to do that. And I know his father, Rod, has been a really good influence on him, a former college star himself. So to have that resource certainly seems to help. But like R.J. Melendez, Derek, he's just something they don't otherwise have. And when you get a certain matchup in, in an NCAA tournament or a Big Ten tournament, he's the kind of guy that you need to throw out there if Kofi's having a bad game. I mean, if you don't feel comfortable with Omar Payne on the floor right now, maybe Coleman's now your backup big man uh, where you just got to give a different look that can cause some problems because I thought off the bounce he was great tonight uh, offensively and then defensively. He's got a hand in, in, in EJ Liddell's face. Sometimes EJ hit it, and you got to give him credit for that. But he certainly gives you something defensively you don't have. And if he can start shooting the ball well and have confidence in his shot, um, you can see those glimpses of why we were so excited early in the season and why next season Coleman feels like still like one of those guys who could take a monster lead. He's got the tools to do it for, for certain. And I think that as long as he doesn't you know, make some of the mental mistakes, I think defensively where he'll have some lapses or even offensively when he tries to do too much and over dribbles or gets off balance. But he is a guy that we've talked about it a lot. How many guys do you have on this team that can make a play off the dribble? He is someone that can do that. It's just, you know, getting in the lane and being under control. And he has the ability to do that. He has the ability to stretch a defense, make a jump shot, be able to shot fake and drive. Just uh, one turnover in 25 minutes tonight. Yeah, that's that's definitely what you want to see. And I think his rebounding effort, he's given you more on the glass than Omar has. Like Omar is is not rebounding it as well as Hawkins over this last stretch. And I mean, in addition to having the length to challenge some guys, you know, whether it be at the four spot, uh, but also like he switched onto a guard at one point. I don't know if it was Wheeler, but he's he's out there on the perimeter. He gives you some switchability because he has the, the de- defensive foot speed and just the length uh, that can allow you to guard some things differently too. All right, so the Big Ten title is going to be really hard to win. Not that it's without. You said it. Wisconsin and Purdue play each other. If the other team also loses, you're back into it, right? And, and with this Big Ten, you can never predict anything. But it's going to be very difficult to do that. And I did think Brad made an interesting thing about saying, like, hey, we found some stuff tonight. Like, And I asked him about, hey, I know we're all focused on a Big Ten title. You guys want to win it. But is the next couple games about figuring out what going into and he said it's March it's March he said it's about March that that is the end goal and that last year 
he didn't coach like that. Maybe he was coaching to win a Big Ten title or win the Big Ten tournament right in front of them. Uh, he's got the Mart. He's got NCAA tournament. Like that is what's in his head. I think an, uh, a Big Ten championship means a lot to a program. Obviously, this program haven't done it since 2005. But Brad knows what is remembered, and uh, I'm going to be interested, Derek. I I don't think he's going to sacrifice a game, but I think is does this relieve any pressure that? He can tinker a little bit, play with the team, let Curbelo work through some mistakes, which I thought was great, actually, maybe in the long run, that Trent Frazier had early foul trouble because Curbelo had a great end to that first half. I thought he played pretty, pretty well and, and had some confidence, was 3-1, to one, assist to turnover, had uh, seven points off the bench tonight. Didn't play a lot in the second half because Trent Frazier and Alfonso Plummer needed to be on the court, but I think Curbelo and Hawkins are really important. Melendez is really important, so... Uh, do you buy that? Do you, do you think he'll tinker a little bit here or play around a little bit more to, to make sure he's got his best team? Because he said he told his uh, assistants to, to give me things that we aren't good at or matchups that give us a problem. He didn't do that going into the Loyola game. And you can tell that Loyola game, yeah. it's still in his head. I think it's going to be very interesting to see. Cause I think just the, the competitor that he is, understanding how wild the Big Ten is, they're still going to feel like they have a chance in the Big Ten title chase. At the same time, I do think it's important to take that big picture kind of look and understand of what are some of our shortcomings, what are some counters that we can have to certain things that other teams will throw at us. And yeah, it's, Chris Holtman provided that to Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you definitely did. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, Curbelo, clearly, we've been talking about that as a storyline of someone that you're trying to get back to getting in a rhythm. I thought extended minutes was good from him. I think that was an early second half. He took some ill-advised shots. It was actually the three. It was like, no, no, no. Actually, okay, that went in. But prior to that, it was like, Curbelo's unraveling a little bit here. Um, Hawkins is one of those. And I think that tinkering with some lineups with him makes sense. And overall, just I do think that it takes a little bit of pressure off. But at the same time, look, Wisconsin's going to the rack. Purdue still has to go to Wisconsin. It's going to be hard not to think and say, okay, we pivot off of this and win our last three. Yeah. One of those, you know, the, the pieces fall the right way. We can still win the Big Ten. But I think there is a balance there. I think you can still look at it that way, but also say the ultimate goal. And I, I know Trent, I think Trent even said it tonight, the ultimate goal is to win it all, to win the whole national title, that we got to be able to get ready for that. Um, but I, I do think it's it, – we noticed it out of last year's team. Like, they wanted to win the Big Ten tournament so freaking bad and maybe just gave everything they had to that i'm not saying it was yeah. excuses like you know playing down to Loyola or whatever it was but um maybe it's a different approach we'll have to see though no i think you're right i think they expended so much mental energy on winning that especially after being slighted right so that weekend and i, I mentioned it that day when my column is i was on on the ladder celebrating a title and they didn't even get a chance to celebrate it. Like, then you had the amazing press conference, which was amazing. Yeah. But like, you didn't even have that. Like, it felt unfulfilling because you're looking up at the screen. All of a sudden, I was pointing up there, and there wasn't even like a day to sit there. And then you had to turn the page. Did Illinois really fully turn the page? Did they have that kind of reset, that hour to sit in the locker room and wait on Selection Sunday? They didn't have that because the game went overtime. Uh, and went long, and, and it was right into the selection show. So I, I think that was a big part of that. Loyola certainly was a tough matchup, just like Ohio State was a tough matchup. But it's going to be an interesting finish. You go to Michigan, though, Derek. Hunter Dickinson's playing extremely well. 
And uh, I don't know, Phil Martelli might be a tougher coach to coach against <laughs> because putting Caleb Houston at the four was huge for them. Uh, he had a great performance. So not going to be an easy one uh, up there. But if you want to win a Big Ten championship, obviously you're going to have to win out here. Yeah, Martelli's a pretty good coach. No slap in the face of Juwan Howard. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Hunter Dickinson, yeah, similar in that the challenge for Kofi because it's a guy that away from the basket can hit jump shots, mid-range, three-point jump shots does have the height to contest some things around the rim. Caleb Houston just had a huge game against Rutgers. He really got going from three. Uh, it's been a guy that's been you've been waiting to see him look like a five-star guy consistently. So uh, we'll see if that confidence carries over for him. I think Diabate will be back. Diabate, he's really good. Yeah, their front their front court is, is a problem. The, the thing is they don't have a Branham. I mean, right, hey, their yeah. guard play is is not very good, so you can't let Brooks go off and get confident. He's a, he's, you know, he's not Trent Frazier, but he's got some similar qualities as a veteran in him. So he's still a guy that can give you some issues, but it's that front court that concerns you, right? Yeah, certainly. I know that Trent did a good job on Eli Brooks here mm-hmm. earlier this year, but I know that Devontae Jones on Plummer is a matchup yeah. that you certainly could circle, and especially if Plummer's not making shots or is. Getting God at that end it could be a uh, you got to pivot in some way. Um, you know, it could be a natural one if you want to throw Coleman out there to guard Diabate and just move slide it on up. You know, Demonte uh, on uh, on Houston, but yeah, it is the front court. It is Kofi having a bounce back game, and really Hunter's going to be ready for that one. Um, not that Kofi's not going to. You know, in terms of trying to bounce back after arguably his worst game of the year, but um, yeah, I think that Michigan's going to be very hungry. It's going to be a building that's going to be rocking and. Uh, they'll have to be up for the challenge. And, yeah, Michigan is – they do have three through five in that starting lineup, a lot of length and uh, some guys that can make some shots. If I wanted to be prisoner of the moment, Derek, I would say, well, Illinois tonight lost the Big Ten championship. Kofi lost Big Ten player of the year. Brad Underwood lost coach of the year. <laughs> but there's three games left, so I'm not going to make those huge proclamations. But all those things became a lot more difficult uh, today, and we'll see how they bounce back. And uh, – Illinois makes a Sweet 16 or Elite Eight run. People won't care about this game, but uh, good for EJ Liddell to, to come in oh, here and, and get that game. Chris Holtman's a really good coach too. Um, this program's gonna be really. Ohio State's gonna be really good for a really long time. I know they got to replace these guys because Branham's likely going pro, but you know Holtman's done a heck of a job. We'll see if Juwan Howard can keep his thing going, but I, I think these two teams are gonna be two of the top five teams in the Big Ten for a while. Yeah, Holtman's won a ton of games regular season. You know, since he's gotten here, very consistent. Uh, it's really just they're also seeking that extended run in the tournament. You know, get upset last year uh, by Oral Roberts, but uh, yeah, there's going to be some turnover. You look at Jamari Wheeler being a fifth-year guy. Obviously, you know, he's not the first guy you think of, but EJ Liddell, Brandon, if he goes pro. Uh, but they recruited a high level. You know, the last couple of recruiting classes, they've been up there. Um, you know, towards the top with Michigan and. Uh, Illinois, obviously, in 2022, but uh, Holtman's a great coach. They, I, I'm curious to know, and I don't know if we'll ever really know, did they know how good EJ was out of high school? I mean, we got a closer look here in the state probably than anybody. There was a, a time, you know, after Illinois lost, maybe there's they're just a little salty they lost him, but it was like, you know, I don't even know if they really realize how good he's going to be, but um, he's been that. He's been that for him. All right, I got to bring it up. Big Ten refereeing is is not good. I don't watch enough of the rest. Uh, man, they got to be better. They, they really got to be better. Uh, I know it's hard because like it feels like there are less people getting into officiating at the IHSA level, right? So like you don't want to discourage them too much, but at, at this level, they they got to be more consistent. When your star guys 
right, are, are getting this kind of stuff. From, I mean, Tom Izzo, Brad Underwood, these are some of the biggest coaches that are going after the officials after the games. Like, wouldn't surprise me Brad Underwood got fined after tonight. Tom Izzo certainly should have. I don't know if he will because he's Tom Izzo. Uh, but it certainly has been an issue, and it's not just for Illinois tonight. Like Ohio State had some calls that didn't go their way, I, I thought, at certain points tonight. So I, I think there's there's got to be a better way. But uh, I just is, – is there the talent out there? They lost Gene Steratore to TV. <laughs> like there's more money in TV for some of those best guys right now. And, they, and, and I miss Ted Valentine, all right? Yeah. Like, he controlled games. Like, they never really got out of control. Like, he would fuck for the camera and all that, but <laughs> he's a good referee. The names you know are not known for a good reason. I mean, that's that's the thing about the Big Ten officials. I mean, look, it's it's a tough job, but at the same time, it's it's the quality is very poor. I think that that's certainly a consensus opinion, whether it's the coaches in the league, whether it's the media, whether it's the fans. There's not a lot of consistency. There's a lot of missed calls. I know Brad was furious that there was a, a cylinder call that he didn't. He wasn't getting cylinder calls on Kofi at one end, and then they called one. I forget who it was on. Might have been Coleman down here on on an EJ and one, and he's like. Where is that? You know, we're, we're asking for that same call. So uh, there's just a lot of things that look obvious that don't either don't get called or then just anticipation. And it's, it's high level, fast paced basketball. But at the same time, there's, there's got to be there's got to be a way. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, it, it sure looks from our vantage point, from those on the people watching on TV, that it's it could be a lot better. At the same time, I thought Illinois had opportunities to win this game that that yeah. they should look at more than the officiating even though Coleman Hawkins quickly deleted his tweet about <laughs> officiating which is probably a good call there Coleman all right for Derek Piper I'm Jeremy Warner 86-83 Ohio State gets the win Illinois falls a game behind Purdue and Wisconsin with three games remaining 12 and 5 in the Big Ten 19 and 8 overall probably gonna drop to about the four line if you're doing your bracketology after today uh, but still three games left to kind of make their push for a big 10 championship and higher on that seed line before my favorite event one of my favorite events the big 10 tournament all right thank you for listening to the online choir podcast we've got plenty of content joey's writing about coleman hawkins Derek will have his takeaways all of my player grades talked with nick allegretti the super bowl champ was in attendance today we'll have much more at line Enquirer. so thanks uh, for listening to the podcast give us a follow rating review wherever you get your podcast everybody take care of each other have a great day we'll talk to you next time on the online choir podcast Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.